Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. to all of you. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Strong as Steel, your opportunity to lock in and get the very finest in assessments, evaluations, and, of course, uh, very strong opinions with regard to another big week in college football. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined by my partner, the one and only Phil Steele. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, is here. Hey, a big thank you to all of you. Uh, I say good morning because we, we had to make a little alteration this week, and I know a lot of you are up early. The number to call in. For, you know, we're going to cover 30 games here in the next 60 minutes. So the number for you to lock in with and join, 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You can do it on Twitter as well. Uh, that is at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim underscore Nabosna, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A. Good morning, Phil. We elected a president last night, and now the polls turn to another big weekend of college football. How you feeling, my man? You know, I am doing good, Michael. And, uh, you know, November is the month. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. We're going to determine uh, basically who's going to make the playoffs and then uh, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. A lot to be determined in this month of November. And much like last night, uh, you know, there was a big favorite that uh, actually didn't win last week. I think there'll be some big favorites in the uh, in the month of uh, November that don't win as well. Yeah, touche. Well done as we play off, of course, as we said, the, the election that captivated America yesterday. All right, Phil, these precincts in the states of Alabama, South Carolina, Clemson, Michigan, the Wolverines, and the state of Washington, the Huskies, they're real pleased today. They're the four that are standing Here's my question to you as we start today. Will all four of those be undefeated, as you just said, when we get to the end of November? Uh, Dealing with the past history, how the playoffs have gone, the amount of upsets we get in the month of November, playoff pressure, I'm going to say that those four will not be uh, unbeaten. All all four will not be. If you gave me one, one play there, I would go against all four getting into the playoffs this year. All right, would you agree that those four, along with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Auburn, control their own destiny? They keep winning those seven schools, they're going to begin. 
I would agree. And for the listeners that are thinking, hey, Wisconsin's got two losses, Auburn's got two losses, you know, if the Badgers run the rest of the table, look at the amount of top ten teams they played this year. And to run the table, they're going to have to get past either Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten title game. Yes, Wisconsin as a Big Ten champ will make the playoffs with two losses. And the same with Auburn. If you have Auburn at the end of the year with their only losses, close ones, to Clemson and LSU, and a big victory over Alabama at Alabama and an SEC champ title in front of their name, uh, yeah, I think Auburn makes the playoffs as well. So I believe all seven of those teams, Michael, I agree with you 100%. They control their own destiny. All right, and as a quick aside, before we get rolling, Phil, do you know for those squads that aren't in the top four right now, don't worry about it. A lot of football to be played. All of you one-loss uh, fans of teams that are felt last year at this time. All right, here's our crack research. Do you know that both Michigan State and Oklahoma were ranked outside the top 10, Phil? Michigan State Spartans were number 12. Oklahoma was number 13 at week 10. We know they they barged and forced their way right into the college football playoff. So it can happen, right? I mean, that's why November is so important. That's correct. Anything can happen. We've seen it happen before. Doesn't look like it's going to happen this year, but doesn't seem like it this time every year, Michael. There's like six teams you're thinking, oh, they're all going to be unbeaten at the end of the year. And then at the end of the year, you end up with that one or two teams unbeaten. So we'll see the upsets. But I, I see we got a lot of callers there today. Yeah, let's get rolling. 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, this is Strong as Steel. We thank you for being flexible today. Good morning to each and every one of you. Let's start uh, in uh, New York. That was uh, very influential last night. Here's Mark with some Big Ten thoughts. He's our quarterback out of the huddle on Strong as Steel. Hey, Mark, how are you? Welcome. I got to admit, I'm a little bit tired. You know, I was watching uh, quite a game last night, so about 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Phil and I, I were talking about that, Mark. Up. We all were. Oh my God, what, what a what a game, you know. Um, but uh, I just want to bring up this Northwestern Purdue game. Uh, I really just love what you know Northwestern's been doing. You know, Thornton looks like a different quarterback from early this year. Justin Jackson running all over the ball, and uh, yeah, I just feel like going into Purdue, not much home advantage. You know, the numbers at thirteen and a half. But uh, just wondering what Phil's take is about the uh, Northwestern Wildcats going into Purdue. Thanks a lot, right. guys. Appreciate the call, Mark. And, uh, you know, I'm going to agree with you on this one. When you look at Purdue, now they played better than the final score would indicate last week. They actually led Minnesota on the road in the fourth quarter, only got outgained by 52 yards. But as you touched on, not much of a home advantage. In fact, Purdue won in nine as a home underdog. And let's take a look at their last two home games mm. they played. Penn State, it was close at the half. It was 17-17. That was a Penn State team off the big win over Ohio State. Penn State steamrolled them in the second half, 62-24. to And you look at that Iowa game, you see Iowa only won the game 49-35, to but that game was 42-14 to after three quarters. Iowa pulled their backups, put in the second stringers, and that's when Purdue did the bulk of their damage. Now, I don't think you're going to see that out of Northwestern. Northwestern already has five losses this year. They know they need to win out to get to bowl eligibility or to get to the bowl eligibility this year. And as you mentioned, with Clayton Thorson being allowed to throw the football, remember last year uh, they didn't let, let him throw the football that much, and he struggled throwing the football during the year. Seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, only had 295 attempts on the year. This year he's got 341 attempts already, 
and he's hitting uh, 16 touchdowns with six interceptions, one of the Big Ten's better running backs than Justin Jackson, and the Big Ten's top receiver statistically, Austin Carr. He'll be up for a lot of All-American awards at the end of the year. Plus, their defense is playing better. In fact, if you look at them in Big Ten play, holding opponents to one yard below their season average. So add it all up that this game is priced relatively cheap because I think Northwestern comes in with a losing record at 4-5. and five. Uh, They're only a 13-and-a-half point favorite on the road. I'm going to take Northwestern minus a 13-and-a-half there. Appreciate the call, Mark, and getting up early this morning. Glad you mentioned Austin Carr, Phil. What a what an untapped gem as a wide receiver that uh, the college football war, world has gotten to know. Let's uh, stay in Big Ten country. Let's uh, swing into uh, the great city of Chicago, and we say good morning to Jay on Strong as Steel. Hey, Jay, how are you? Doing well, guys, and uh, we got some action tonight in the great uh, city of Chicago. Wanted to uh, touch on the uh, Northern Illinois and uh, Toledo game. Um, I think uh, Northern Illinois has been playing some pretty decent football lately uh, compared to what they've been uh, playing in the beginning of the year. And uh, Toledo's playing pretty good as well, and uh, I think we see a touchdown uh, right in this game. But uh, more importantly, I think we see some fireworks in this game, and I think we see uh, some big point totals put up. And I'd like to see this uh, number uh, go over the total here. I want to get Phil's thoughts on the game as well. All right, appreciate it, Jay. And I'll tell you what, Jay, you have hit it. You got Michael Regai's Mac Game of the Week. And uh, another winner again last week. It was Miami of Ohio outright over Central Michigan. Congratulations on that, Michael. And uh, his Mac Game of the Week this week just happens to be tonight's Northern Illinois Toledo matchup. So take it away, my friend. Phil, I appreciate it. I always know when I walk into the domain of Phil Steele, I've got a lot of prestige to uphold, so I appreciate the acknowledgement on that. And, and Jay, listen, you make a tremendous point. Remember five years ago, 63-60, the final, with over 1,100 yards of total offense, Northern Illinois winning at Toledo. Hey, the one thing that sticks in Toledo's craws about this, six consecutive losses to their rivals in the MAC West, how many times? have the Northern Illinois Huskies derailed Toledo's thoughts of getting to Detroit and representing the MAC West as division champs in the MAC championship game. All right, tonight, and again, it's in the home of the Chicago White Sox now, a little baseball feel to this one tonight, not on campus in DeKalb. Uh, Toledo bounced back after the loss to Ohio. They, uh, they blew out Akron with over 600 yards of total offense. We've been telling you about Logan Woodside, one of the most accomplished and one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football, completes 70% of his passes for that uh, very explosive rocket pass game, a 34-5 to touchdown uh, pick ratio. Keep an eye on Cody Thompson and Michael Roberts, these two receivers. Now, Roberts is a 270-pound tight end that the NFL folks are just salivating over. Cody Thompson averages 21 yards a catch with five TDs. Michael Roberts, Phil, is one of the, uh, the biggest red zone threats in college football, 10 touchdowns for that 270-pound tight end. Their offense is prolific. They've slid a little bit defensively. Again, still wondering, uh, that, uh, worried about that loss to Ohio, but they got to move forward. Now, for Northern Illinois, you look at the record. And all right, Rod Carey's squad, let me tell you this, very prideful. MAC champion, six times over winning the MAC West, six in a row. That's going to end this year as we know. 
as Western Michigan is uh, putting together the dazzling 10 and 0, and they'll represent the MAC West. Phil Rod Carey's squad had defensive issues early on. They're giving up 32 points a game. They've won two in a row. Buffalo and Bowling Green after the back-to-back losses to their. Mac West rivals Western Michigan and Central Michigan. I mentioned the pride. They've started in Husky land to realize they can still get to a bowl game, and that's what they want to continue. They've settled on senior Anthony Maddie at quarterback. He's a, uh, he's a RPO guy, run-pass option guy. He's put up 89 points at the trigger of his offense in the last two wins, blowouts over Buffalo and Bowling Green. Kenny Galladay, a talented wide receiver, one of the best in the nation, 65 catches. Uh, Joel Boagno, the 235-pound running back, has started to – Really a bulldoze in the run game. So Maddie is a dual-threat quarterback that will give Toledo's uh, defense some issues. I do believe, however, though, that even though laying seven, the Toledo Rockets are going to end their six-game losing streak in Chicago. I like Toledo to win this football game, Phil, 31-27, to but Northern Illinois will stay inside that number of plus seven. Toledo a winner tonight against Northern Illinois. But Northern Illinois, plus the points, is Michael's call for the yes. max yes. game of I, the yes. week. So I just want to make that You got clear. it, Phil. That's it. Yeah, but, right. yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Was last week I gave you Miami outright, uh, even though they were uh, getting uh, four at home against Central Michigan. Toledo to win, Northern Illinois to stay with inside uh, that number of seven. Let's hit right, the rank game, buddy. Six, six, Yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's roll with that, Phil. Let's start right at the top, okay? Let's start with the Alabama Crimson Tide because I know you were all over this last week. You felt that Louisiana State would uh, stay tight. That they did. Nothing, nothing going into the fourth. Phil, this week now Alabama is uh, got to gear it back up. And how do you see the Crimson Tide coming off uh, LSU last week and showing everybody why they're still number one and will stay undefeated? Well, they have struggled in the week after uh, Mississippi or after LSU, I should say. They are one and four against the spread the last five years. The week after that tussle, and you know, last week while they beat or last year, I should say, while they beat Mississippi State in that game, thirty-one to six, it wasn't that big of a blowout. Uh, they all, they were actually outgained by fourteen yards. So I'd be careful a little bit about the post LSU letdown. Fortunately for Bama, they only have Chattanooga on deck and they get this game at home. Now, Mississippi State's in a little bit of a letdown as well. I think their backs were to the wall last week. They played Texas A&M, a team that came in number four in the playoff rankings, and really 35-28 doesn't sum up the game. They controlled that game much more than the final score would indicate. 29-14 first down edge, led it 35-21 late before A&M got a late touchdown. So I I think Mississippi State played one of its better games of the year. But I'm going to go back – Five weeks ago, when Mississippi State played Auburn at home, I had Auburn in that game. They were a small favorite. Auburn absolutely throttled them. It was 35 nothing at the half. Auburn had a 335, 91-yard edge. Now you're looking at Mississippi State going on the road in a little bit of a letdown situation. They've got a winnable game on the road next week against Arkansas. They've got a winnable game against Ole Miss. Uh, those two games would get them to a bowl game this year, which make it pretty good. And I'm not going against that Alabama defense. It was an impressive performance against LSU. Uh, last week, winning by 10 on the road. I'm going to take the Tide, even though the number's lofty here at 30. won't be one of my better plays of the week, but I'm going to take the Tide minus and lay the 30 in that one. 
Mm, interesting. Phil, would you agree real quick that, uh, you know, uh, Phil and I discussed this, that if you're going to beat Alabama, it's so hard to run the football to get to the edge against them. You're going to have to have a quarterback that can challenge them with the deep throws over their heads to at least make them play you honestly and not continue to jam that box. Yes, that, and then I also think you need a mobile quarterback. I, I really think you you need a quarterback that can hurt you on the run. Uh, when you've got your six guys blocking, there are five guys, you need that extra guy uh, to take off. Uh, that would give you the one-man advantage you need. So I think a mobile quarterback that can hit deep passes, then you got a chance of doing it. All right, 646-668-2248. 646-668-2248. We are strong as still. Phil Steele, Michael Rega, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Get your tweets sent in. Jim's going through them right now because social media on Twitter is a large part of what we do on the show. Uh, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, at Jim underscore Nabosna. Let's keep going. All right, Phil, you mentioned quarterbacks, uh, certainly not a guy that runs the football a lot. But Jim Harbaugh's got a quarterback that uh, can very accurately, effectively throw the deep ball. They've shown that in the last three weeks. Number two, Michigan. This looked like a, a much more daunting task, Phil, going into Iowa City. In fact, you had it circled early in the year as one that where the Wolverines could stumble. Michigan at Iowa. Oh, Iowa come just getting dismantled by Penn State. Can Kirk Ferentz get his Hawkeyes back up for this, Phil? Uh, I think he will. I think it was somewhat similar to what Michigan State did. I mean, Michigan State's in the middle of a seven-game losing streak, but with Michigan coming in, they played their game of the year and only lost that game by nine, and it was nine because of the two-point conversion Michigan returned. Other than that, it would have been a seven-point game. Now, I thought Iowa could play close to Penn State last week, and they just got rolled. Their offense only has 235 yards per game the last two. They're struggling to run the football. C.J. Beathard doesn't look like last year's C.J. Beathard. Uh, they're really struggling, and they're taking on one of the better defenses in the country in Michigan. I think Michigan's got a legitimate top-five defense. They get pressure on you. They're tough against the run. Offensively, they can run the football, and I would just give up 359 yards rushing to Penn State. But, you know, after last week, Michael, uh, you know, I had thrown out a stat there that the previous year, the uh, when the playoff rankings came out, teams were 0-5 against the spread and uh, 5 uh-huh. and 16. And last week, A&M lost right out of the box, but then the other four all won and won big. Well, what's going to happen now? There's going to be some extra prices to pay. You're going to see these numbers climb and climb and climb on the big teams because they all covered last week. And the public loves big favorites. And it's happened in this game. Michigan opened up about a 17, 18-point favorite. It's up to 21 and a half, 22. You can bet mm. by game time it's probably going to be 24. Uh, and I think Michigan is the far better team, especially the way they're playing this year. But I think I was going to make a game of it enough to keep it underneath that 24 margin. So if you want to play Iowa, wait a little bit. The number's going to climb. Everybody's playing Michigan. They're going to keep playing Michigan all week long. Uh, get it towards the end of the week and get as many points as you can because you're probably going to need them. I like Michigan to win this one somewhere between 17 and 21 points. All right, that's Michigan and Iowa. Let's stay on our undefeated vein. That's, you know, the election polls showed as uh, the top four yesterday. Phil, the uh, the Clemson Tigers uh, ranked number two in the college uh, football uh, rankings, poll rankings that came out, number three uh, in the uh, the regular polls. 
Clemson is uh, back at it this week again as, as well. Do you think Dabo Sweeney is saying we got to be impressive and be impressive as can be as we finish out the regular season in terms of really tuning up their numbers offensively with Deshaun Watson? Well, you know, last year they really hit their stride down the stretch with Watson, and, uh, you know, that, that got them rolling into the playoffs. But I don't think there's pressure to win games by 35 points for Clemson. They just need to win out. They need to keep their players healthy. If he's got Watson mm-hmm. and Gallman and uh, Mike Williams out there in the fourth quarter of a 35-point lead and one of those guys gets injured, that could cost them a national title. So uh, Clemson, if they win out, they are in the playoffs. No ifs, no ands, and buts. So I don't know if they need to have the pressure to roll it up. But the other factor working on here is Deshaun Watson got injured last week and missed the second half of the Syracuse game. You wonder about his health. You wonder how long he's going to play. Now, Nick Schusler is a capable QB. They've got the weapons. Mm-hmm. They should be able to beat Pitt. I do like Clemson minus the points in this game. I'd be a little concerned if Watson comes out of it. But the thing I like best is Pitt's pass defense is one of the weaker pass defenses in the country, giving up 317 yards per game. I don't see them hanging with Mike Williams, Deion Kane, Jordan Leggett, Ray May McLeod, Artavius Scott, and others. Uh, so I, I think that receiving core has a big day against the Pitt defense as long as Watson stays in there. So I'm going to I'm going to take Clemson by uh, 24 points or more. All right, Clemson to, to win. Phil's thinking by three plus touchdowns. Hey, we want to remind you, we love the fact that you're with us every week on Strong as Steel. You know how uh, much effort we put into the podcast to make this not only enjoyable, but uh, one that gives great credibility to how you look at a college football weekend. A lot of you listen on iTunes. We know that, and we love that. As Phil always tweets out, that you're able to uh, dial it up on iTunes as you're going to work, coming home from work, and get the whole show. Here's what we'd like you to do. If you're on iTunes, uh, leave a review for us. That's something that uh, just, you know, what you like about the show, things you might like to suggest. So if you're on iTunes, in the review section, leave a quick review about how you uh, feel about uh, us here at Strong as Steel, and that's something that uh, we can use going forward to make your listening that much more enjoyable. All right, Phil. Uh, we uh, are looking for you at 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. Uh, number four, Phil, they move up this week, uh, the Washington Huskies, and what a season it is turning out to be. Now, th- this could get dicey this week. Here comes the Trojans of USC rolling into Seattle. How do you see this? Will war could Washington be on upset alert with USC getting themselves together and starting to play solid football? Yeah, ever since Sam Darnold took over as the starting quarterback, USC's been one of the best teams in the country. My computer's got them up there 12, 13, right in that area right now. And, you know, you look at their games. Yes, they got blown out by Alabama. That's the game everybody remembers in the opener. The Stanford game they lost on the road, that was with Max Brown. And the Utah game they led at Utah late and then gave up a score and ended up losing a close one. Remember, Washington went into Utah and gave up or pulled out a seven-point win there, so both played Utah tight on the road. But since then, USC's just been dominant. In fact, the Colorado game should have been bigger than the four-point final margin. They had 168-yard edge, mm-hmm. but they were minus three in turnovers. They've just blasted Arizona, California, Oregon by big margins. They're on a roll. That young defensive line is getting better by the week. You look at the quarterback spot, uh, Sam Darnold is just having a great year, hitting 68%, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, running for 172. Ronald Jones 
having a big day, a big season at running back right now, and the receiving core one of the best in the country. It's a very dangerous USC team, and I'm concerned. I picked Washington, my number one surprise team in the country at the start of the year. I said they had a great yeah. chance of making the playoffs, despite the fact they were coming off a six and six season last year, and yet here or a seven and five season last year. Yet here they are uh, with that opportunity. Might play a little tight with the pressure, but I still feel. Washington's the most complete team in the Pac-12, best defense in the Pac-12. John Ross, Dante Pettis, a receiver. Jake Browning is hitting 67% with a 34-to-3 ratio. they got Miles Gaskins at running back, one of the best special teams in the country, an outstanding head coach, the home edge. I'm going to take Washington to win this one by 10 points or more. So I like the Huskies. And uh, the spread, is, I think, is about eight in this game. I'm going to lay the eight in this one, even though it's tough to go against USC. Remember, Phil has been on, if you go to Phil Steele's college football preview, he had uh, Washington win in the north and points out that, uh, you know, third place is the best they've been, right, Phil? And, uh, you know, uh, no better than five and four in the Pac-12. So here they are with a chance to, as we've said, control their own destiny. I'm with Phil on this. Uh, the Huskies are rolling. All right, 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. I'm Michael Regai, my partner Phil Steele, the best analyst in all of the college football kingdom, our producer Jim Nabosna. Let's call on Jimmy right now. Phil, you know social media is very large here on Strong as Steel. Hey, Jim, let's have at it because we know the Twitter universe has been all over you uh, the last day or so with a lot of questions and thoughts on this week. Welcome aboard, Jim Nabosna. How are you doing today? I'm um, doing great today. We had a uh, bunch of tweets coming in last night from the West Coast when they found out we were doing the early show, starting with Tyler, and he wants to know what your thoughts are on the Oregon State UCLA game this weekend. You know, UCLA's without Josh Rosen, Rosen, uh, Rosen excuse me, he's out for the uh, year. Uh, Fawful doing an okay job at the quarterback spot last week, only 185 yards against Colorado. But I like the way they're playing. And once again, you look at their losses this year, and I'm not going to go down every single loss, but they've all been close. They've all been tight, even the Colorado game, 10-10 late third quarter last week. And that's a pretty good Colorado team. So I love their defense. Still struggling to run the football at all. It's something they haven't been able to do all season. Uh, Oregon State last year, they covered but they covered by one inch. At the end of the game, if I told you you've got uh, Stanford up by 11 points, laying 16, and they're at the one-yard line of Oregon State with two shots at the end zone and some guy named McCaffrey in the backfield, you would pretty much take Stanford. They got stuffed at the foot line, and then on his last try, they marked it one inch from the goal line. So Stanford was one inch from covering against Oregon State. I'm a little bitter about that. That was an inside-the-press-box loss last week, a rare off week for inside-the-press-box. And I think when you look at uh, Oregon State, they have the run defense that's going to allow UCLA to run the football. Their rush defense in the Pac-12 giving up 260 yards per game, 5.6 yards per carry. UCLA with a run game is going to have a much more effective fallful, and they also have a defense that still is underrated. They're holding their opponents at 57 yards below their season average. UCLA, even though they've got six losses right now, can't afford another one, I see the Bruins playing one of their better games of the season. Oregon's on their second straight road game and really should have lost last week's game by 18 points. I like UCLA. And one more quick note for you before we go back to you, Jimmy, for some uh, more Twitter action here. That is, this week we put out a renewal for Inside the Press Box. If you're listening to this podcast today, 
Uh, we told you the renewal expired on Tuesday. I'll let you get that renewal price in. Just mention that you heard it on the podcast. You can still get it in. Uh, having a great year once again for Inside the Press Box overall. Uh, you look at the record even after last week's rare off week, 33 and 23 on the year, 10 and 5 the last three weeks. The upset play 6 and 2 on the year, high scoring games 2 and 0. Go to uh, steelsweeklypreview.com or give our offices a call and sign up for the uh, renewal rate for your Inside the Press Box newsletter. Now, Jimmy, let's go ahead and get back to the tweets. Sounds good. Mark Major would like to know your thoughts on Penn State minus 7 versus Indiana. Indiana gave up 500-plus yards and 36 points to Maryland, and PSU has been rolling the last two weeks. Why is it only seven, he would like to know? Uh, it's seven because I don't think the rest of the country thinks Penn State's quite as good as they are. And a lot of times, you know, it's confidence in college football. And I think Penn State, the amount of confidence they gained in that win over Ohio State was huge. Now, with Cabinda and Bell back at linebacker, and that was huge because those two guys returned against Ohio State, combined for 30-some-odd tackles. Their defense has been playing lights out with Cabinda and Bell back at linebacker, much better than that banged-up linebacking core they had early in the season when they were down to their six- and seven-string linebackers as starters. Uh, Indiana also has a pretty good record this year. They've uh, already at home. They've beaten Michigan State when Michigan State was playing pretty good. They've beaten Maryland, beaten Rutgers. And uh, remember, they only gave Ohio State a game. They only lost to Nebraska by five. They only lost to Northwestern on the road by ten. So they've been playing good all season long. But i got to hop on this Penn State wagon right now and just ride them to the end of the season. The offense is playing well. They've got Barkley, a running back, perhaps the top running back in the Big Ten, averaging 6.3 yards per carry. Trace McSorley gets better every week operating this new offense. And like I said, with healthy linebackers now, I think Penn State goes on the road and gets this one by over the touchdown. So I do like Penn State in that one. Appreciate the tweet. Hey, Phil and Jimmy, real quick. Phil, I'm glad you mentioned Saquon Barkley. I think he should be a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. I really do. I think he's that uh, explosive. I think he's the best running back in the country right now. Uh, just phenomenal. Wow. Would you put wow. Would you put him there in that category? Best running back in the country? I probably well, I mean, just there, in, but... in the conversation. Okay, okay, yes. Conversation. I, yeah, I like I, him in the I, top three to five. I am a Heisman voter, and I am wide open. I don't have anything locked in. Nothing's predetermined for me. I'm going to watch November, and then I'm going to put my Heisman ballot at at the last minute. I'll uh, send it in after I've watched everything that happens this year. Go ahead, Jimmy. I know we've got more tweets. Let them roll. Yep, to stay on Penn State, we have a tweet from Canada. Terry James says he's a huge college football fan up north, and he wants to know what the chances that Penn State can win the Big Ten. They would need Michigan to lose twice, and that's uh, that's going to be pretty tough. If Michigan loses to Ohio State as their only loss on the year, and you have a three-way tie at the top of the Big Ten, it goes to the team that would probably be the highest ranked by the the uh, the playoff rankings. And I don't think Penn State's going to pass up Ohio State and Michigan. Wouldn't be able to get past Ohio State. Now, the way they would win it, they would need Michigan to be upset by either Iowa or Indiana and then lose to Ohio State. And then if Penn State wins out, they only have one loss. Ohio State has only one loss, but guess what? Penn State beat them head-to-head. So I think the best way for Penn State to get to that Big Ten championship game, they got to be rooting against Michigan, against both Iowa and Indiana. And to that, I say good luck. <laughs> Appreciate the tweet. <laughs> Keep them rolling, Jimmy. Sizzlenomics would like to know if you think Marshall has a solid shot at the upset this week as a home dog to Middle Tennessee. 
You know, the biggest news that came out this week as far as Middle Tennessee goes is that Stockstill, their outstanding quarterback, out for the year. That's a tough loss. Brent Stockstill, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country. This guy's uh, completed 64% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, just five interceptions. And John Urzua is the new QB. He's completed 54% so far with a 2-4 ratio. So I think you have a dramatic drop-off at the quarterback spot. Now, they still have Richie James, a 1,000-yard receiver to throw to. They still have Itavius Mathers, the outstanding running back to hand off to. But I think they're going to be a completely different offense. So that does open up the door for a team like Marshall. But Marshall has been extremely disappointing this year. Last week, just rolled by Old Dominion, a game I thought that they, they might be able to keep somewhat close. Nope, 38-14, to 14, only 214 yards offense. It really surprised me because they got Chase Litton back this year. Uh, they do have some talent on the Marshall team. They're just not playing up to that level. Uh, the line, though, hasn't adjusted as much as you would think. I would think that with a, a stock still out of the lineup, the line would move at least a touchdown on this game. It has not. Middle Tennessee still finds itself, uh, I believe it's about a uh, yeah nine-and-a-half point favorite in the game. So I would lean with Marshall as the underdog at home in that one. How about one more, Jimmy? Question from Taylor Quinn. Kansas is minus ten-and-a-half versus Iowa State. Are they getting too many points considering they are a better team when they've been playing at home this year? Well, you hit it right on the head there with the uh, better team at home. Kansas is a vastly better team. They're actually uh, getting 10.5 in this game, Kansas is, against Iowa State. And Iowa State's played decent. But remember last week they played Oklahoma without their top two running backs. The Kansas State game, they trailed 31-10, to had three late scores to get it to 31-26. Texas beat them by 21. And now you're asking a team that only has one win on the year to not only win on the road in conference play, but win on the road by double digits. And this is a Kansas team that, as you touched on, you look at their home record this year. They've be, uh, outscored teams or outgained teams at home by 41 yards per game. On the road, it's different. Minus 235 yards per game. On the road, they get beat by 39 points per game. At home, they're winning their games by an average of two points per game. I thought they outplayed Oklahoma State for a good portion of the game. Two defensive touchdowns cost them to cover. TCU, they only lost two by one. And here's an interesting stat for you if you're a Kansas fan. They're actually holding their opponents this year to 16 yards below their season average. That's the number 53 in the country. Yeah, Kansas' defense. So add it all up, I do believe they're getting too, too many points here. I like Kansas plus the 10 and a half. Appreciate that. Uh, hey, Jim, great stuff. And all of you on Twitter, keep them coming. We'll check in with Jim again here in the second half of the show. 646-668-2248. That's the way that uh, we roll here on Strong as Steel. Let's keep it going. Let us uh, move into the great state of Indiana with some uh, SEC thoughts. Here's Jeff on Strong as Steel. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Hey, good morning, Michael. Good morning, Phil. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, just a quick one for you this morning. Wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. I think I saw Tennessee at minus 13 and a half. Uh, Kentucky's a game away from being bowl eligible. So, one, do they cover? And two, uh, what are the odds that they uh, get themselves into a bowl this weekend? All right, appreciate the call, Jeff. Uh, I'm thinking that the odds are not great for them to get into a bowl this weekend. But getting into a bowl... I think it's a slam dunk. They've got Austin P on deck, and uh, I think they win that one for sure. So uh, hats off to uh, Coach Stoops. You know, you look at the way they started this year, getting blown out by Southern Miss and Florida, 
Uh, I think everybody wanted his head at that point, and now to get to that, the to bowl eligibility, like I think they will next week, just a tremendous job. But this is a Tennessee team that usually plays its best ball down the stretch when the schedule gets a little bit lighter, and they've got two significant additions coming back this week. They get Cam Sutton back at cornerback. They get Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara back at running back. Those are two of the best players in the country. They're back, and guess what? Last week's Florida losses opened the door wide open for Tennessee to win the SEC East this year. All they have to do is beat Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. They'll be favored in all three. And they just need LSU to knock off Florida in Death Valley. A distinct possibility, LSU will be favored probably by at least a touchdown in that game. And Tennessee finds itself in the SEC championship game. Now, if that means a rematch with Alabama, I don't know if I necessarily want that. But what the heck, I'll take an SEC East title. And uh, like I said, Tennessee should be playing better. They had a bye week, or they only played Tennessee Tech last week. They, they should be getting a little bit healthier. I'm going to go with Tennessee to win this game by uh, two touchdowns or more this week. So I like the favorite in this one, but uh, I do think Kentucky gets bowl eligible next week. Appreciate the call, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, thank you very much. SEC thoughts there. All right, Phil Steele here on Strong as Steel. You ready to go uh, no huddle, line of scrimmage, fast tempo, up pace offense here? I've been waiting all game. Put me in, Coach. I know you have. You're in, man. You got your ankles taped, as you always do. All right, the number five squad, uh, the Louisville Cardinals. Bobby Petrito, Phil, this week he's been talking about, maybe I need to start rolling it up instead of being a good sportsman. He's got Wake Forest coming in. Louisville, do they continue to do just that, roll it up with Lamar Jackson? Well, you know, uh, Louisville's actually had a couple of games recently. Duke, they only beat by 10. It was actually closer than that final. Virginia, they only beat by 7. It seems like every other week they have one of these type of games. And Wake, you know, uh, Dave Clawson's doing a great job there. Defensively, they're playing pretty good. In fact, in ACC play, they're holding opponents to 34 yards below their season average. You know coming into this game, the only chance Wake has to win it is to take the air out of the ball, shorten the game, play good defense, and I think they're going to try to do all those factors in this particular one because Wake's not a team that can hang with you offensively. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think a lot of these numbers are going to keep going up and up and up. Louisville opened up like a 31, 32-point favorite. It's above 35 in some places, or at 35 at least. I think this one keeps going. Who's not going to play Louisville, especially after Petrino made those comments? So this is one of those games, if you're going to play Louisville, play it now. I have to, I have my, my line on the game is Louisville by 35. But if you're going to play Wake, keep waiting. The line's just going to keep going up. It's going to go over 35. <laughs> Take those extra points at the end of the week. So that's the way I see that one. But, uh, yeah, Louisville gets a nice another win here. And how about that Louisville-Houston game is going to be interesting next week. And, by the way, yeah. earlier I had mentioned the inside the press box, and I, I didn't throw out the phone number. Yes. I'll throw out the phone number now. If you do want to renew, give our offices a call, 866 866- 918-7711. That's 866-918-7711. We put some great rates in your Inside the Press Box newsletter. If you weren't able to call us yesterday, you can still call us today. Just mention you heard it on the podcast, and we'll get you the rates that expired yesterday. Beautiful. Uh, SteelsWeeklyPreview.com rolling, as we've alluded to earlier. All right, moving on here on Strong is Steel. House State Buckeyes coming in at number six this week. They just watched the Michigan Wolverines drop 59 on Maryland in a 59-3 route. Phil, they're going in to College Park. Urban Meyer and the guy. Are they like Bobby Petrino or some of these coaches thinking, let's explode all over an opponent, and if we can put up 60-plus, Let's do it. Ohio State of that mindset this week? 
Well, I think in Ohio State's case, uh, that would be prevalent because their offense had struggled for four straight weeks. And you want your offense to have confidence if you're going to play Michigan. So, yeah, once I get these guys unleashed, I'm letting them fly. And, yeah, you got to like the Buckeyes this week. And, you know, Antonio Castro in the office, your buddy there, Michael, you know him well. Love Uh, Tone. Love Tone. his uh, thing is when you know one of these Ohio State or Michigan plays the one team and the other one beats them, they want to beat them by more the next week. So he's uh, he's right. saying that yeah. uh, Meyer's going to be saying, "Hey, they beat them by 56. Let's beat them by more than that." So I do like Ohio State. Now the cautionary thing here would be that Maryland did move the football in Michigan last week. They had 367 Maybe yards, did. 19 first downs. That's a little scary. Now if Durkin starts going for it on fourth down all over the field again, yeah, this thing turns into a total blowout. But if he decides to play the game the way it should be played, which is not going for a fourth down on all time, could keep it a little closer. But then again, you look at that defense. And Maryland's defense in Big Ten play giving up 5.7 yards per carry. The last two weeks, 7.3 and 7 yards per carry. And that came against Indiana and Michigan. I like the Buckeyes to roll this one up. So I'm, I'm going to lay the lumber in that one and take Ohio State minus the 28 and a half. Ooh, I bet it's up over 30 by the time it kicks off, Phil. Oh, yeah, it should get to 31 Guaranteed. at least. Yeah, nobody's yep. going to bet Maryland. Yep. So it's just going to keep going up. Uh, get that now where it's 28, 28 and a half. Yep, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, uh the top analyst in college football, Phil Steele. We are strong as steel. Great to have you along uh, this morning. Thanks so much for getting up early with us. Phil, let's keep moving. We said one of the squads that unbelievably control their own destiny, and people say, well, Regai Steele, wait a minute. The Wisconsin Badgers have two losses. They're hosting Illinois this week. Watch out for Wisconsin. If they run the table, Oh, it could set up a very tasty Big Ten championship game. They're going to stay on track, Phil? Yeah, and you look at their last three games. They, they've they done the work. <laughs> they have played all those top ten teams. LSU, Michigan State was top ten when they played them. Uh, they played Michigan, Ohio State. They played Iowa when they were ranked high. They played Nebraska when they were unbeaten. Uh, they even took on a tough Northwestern on the road. The hay is in the barn pretty much. They've got Illinois, Purdue, and Minnesota at home, with Minnesota being the toughest three. So I, I think they just have to win out, which they should. They'll be favored, double-digit favored in all their games uh, heading on out. Now, once again, they're paying a little bit of a higher price. The number's up there, 26 in this game against Illinois. Uh-huh. And Illinois showed some life last week, but they were outgained by Michigan State, 490 to 304. Rather fortunate to be there. And with uh, Jeff George, or with uh, excuse me, with uh, Jeff George Jr. at quarterback, uh, they mm-hmm. only have had about 250 yards per game the last three. And that going against that Wisconsin defense, that's going to be tough. So I put Illinois three six points in this game. I don't see him scoring a lot, but the question is, can Wisconsin score enough to get over that number? And they have not topped. 26 points per game in their last seven games, with the exception of Michigan State, where they basically had two defensive touchdowns. They only had 16 offensive points in that game. So they don't have an offense that's been putting up the big numbers. But much like we talked about with Ohio State, if that's the case, you might want to get that offense going. And if you've got a team you can get some yards against, why not do it against Illinois? But Illinois hung tough with Michigan, only lost 41-8 to on the road. Uh, I like Wisconsin to win this one. Call for it by about four touchdowns, but I mean, I can't see Wisconsin putting up 35, 40 points against anybody this year. Yeah, just not how Paul Chris squad rolls. Let's keep moving on. We mentioned there's another squad that can control their own destiny. That's right, SEC West. 
All they got to do is go into Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks and beat Alabama. But the Auburn Tigers are kind of sneaking up, Phil, and letting everybody know, hey, don't count us out yet. Got to go between the hedges to Georgia this week. How do you see it unfolding? Uh, Auburn had an off game last week. They played Vanderbilt, uh, and it was an undisclosed injury for Sean White. Didn't start the game, so they went with John Franklin. They struggled in the first half. Uh, only had 13 points at the half. They brought White off the bench, even though he wasn't supposed to play. Ended up winning the game 23-16. to And uh, the big blocked field goal by Vanderbilt's outstanding linebacker, Cunningham, was one of the big plays that uh, kept Vandy in the game. Now, Vandy has a good defense. Excuse me, Georgia's got a good defense. Georgia's defense this year holding opponents to 76 yards below their season average. So they should be able to fare well. They're at home. They're between the hedges. I can make a good case for Georgia based on that. You go back to the Vanderbilt games. um, Georgia actually outgained Vanderbilt by 250 yards. Auburn got outgained by Van, or only outgained Vanderbilt by 45. But let's take a look at the rest of the games that were played this year. And this is the same Georgia team that got destroyed by Mississippi. They trailed 31 to nothing at the half. Ended up losing 45-14 with both of their touchdowns late. Uh, the same one that got beat by Florida by 14, only putting up 164 total yards. I think Auburn's got one of the better defenses in the country this year uh, coming in. it's between the hedges between the hedges love that love being in athens georgia all right phil so i i know you give uh, auburn a shot we'll see where how they fare getting up uh to that game against alabama all right again 646-668-2248 that's the way to go with us here on strong as steel michael regai and phil Steele. phil let's uh, let's keep it rolling as uh, we move on here uh, let's take a look uh, next let's go to the uh, the american where tulsa and navy are a couple of squads that uh, at times both uh, everybody thought that potentially big things were ready to happen this one is in annapolis at the naval academy they're both ranked in the top 40 bowl bound how do you see this one between tulsa and navy yeah, and it's a big game for the division because the winner basically controls their own destiny and uh, could find themselves in the uh, the championship game for the American Conference. Houston has two losses, remember, and each of these guys have one. Now, Tulsa's offense has been playing great. Uh, 560 mm-hmm. yards per game, 46 points per game in conference play. But this is a Navy team that I've never give Navy points at home. The last three times they've been a home underdog. They've not only covered, they've won all three games straight up, including upsets of Houston and Memphis this year. That Memphis game, not even as close as 42-28 would indicate. Uh, I like the way Woolworth operate in that offense. It's a tough offense to stop. Just ask Notre Dame, a team they beat 28-27 last week. They've, they've not lost an American game at home yet so far, and here they are, a home underdog against Tulsa. Tulsa doesn't have a tremendous defense. When they played Tulane earlier this year, they gave up 355 yards rushing, 7.2 yards per carry. Navy's offense plays its best ball in the second half of the season. They're doing that again this year, averaging over 40 points per game in their final four games. i got to go with the home dog, Navy. I'm going to take the upset here and pick Navy to upset Tulsa this week. Okay, home home squad at uh, home at Annapolis. All right, let's keep uh, keep moving here on strongest steel, Phil. Uh, we we swing back into the uh, the ACC. Georgia Tech has uh, got to head into uh, Blacksburg to tangle with uh, the Hokies of Virginia Tech. Kind of quietly making uh, some noise this year. Do you see Virginia Tech continuing? They're top twenty. They're number eighteen this week. Do you see them on a trend for a solid bowl game while winning out here in November? 
Well, Virginia Tech right now has got a collision course with the ACC title game. If they win out, if they beat Georgia Tech here and beat Virginia in the season final, they mm-hmm. are in the ACC title game because they hold the head-to-head over North Carolina. So they're going to be fired up for this particular game. Now, last week they took on your coach there, Michael, and I'm going to ask you about that game in they a minute. Did. It, they took on Coach Cutcliffe, and they needed a block field goal for a touchdown to pull out a three-point win. Right. So if they're getting past Duke by three and Pitt by three, how are they laying two touchdowns to Georgia Tech? Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons. <laughs> it's Bud Foster, their defensive coordinator. And Bud Foster, as defensive coordinator, has held Georgia Tech to under 200 yards per game rushing in his last four meetings. It's a team that averages over 300 yards per game rushing. He knows how to defend the option. They've got Gerard Evans, a quarterback. And you take away that the game they played in the slop against North Carolina, and Evans is having a phenomenal season as it is. He's got 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, team's leading rusher. Georgia Tech's rush defense has been weak. They're allowing 5.6 yards per carry in ACC play, and they're giving up 66% completion. So they're they're, t- they're weak against the run and weak against the pass. And I think that with Foster shutting down the option, I like VT to win this one by over the two touchdowns. Now the game I'm going to ask you about, Michael, and I have to do it because you've been Uh-oh. on this roll. North Carolina, Duke. Yep. North Carolina, this yep. team is on uh, Thursday. North Carolina is uh, about a 10-point favorite in this game. Uh, I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask you anyway just so we can get it out here. Who are you liking that game? Well, I'll be quick. I mean, you know, North Carolina, Mitch Trubisky, as you know, Phil, has now started to uh, make his move in terms of where we thought that uh, Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Kaiser were and the likes of Chad Kelly, who now unfortunately is done for the season, and Brad Kaya. So now Mitch Trubisky, the young man from Menor, Ohio, he's right there in Larry Fedora's offense. Trubisky's been terrific. Now, Phil, but the reason I'm so high on Duke, I think people don't realize, and I've called a couple of Duke games in the last two football seasons, but, Phil, they came into this year in the last three years. They're 15-9 and nine in the ACC, right? 15-9. and nine. I don't think people realize that heading into this year. Uh, I think David Cutcliffe is one of the finest X's and O guys going. The line's what, 10? 10 and a half. 10, you said. 10 and a half, 10 and a half. this week. 10 and a half. I know who you're taking. Just not go ahead this. and say it. No, 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 I'm not. Not this week. Not this wow, week. Wow, you're going North Carolina I, I, minus a 10. I, I like the uh, – Fedora's offense is, is, is sweet, and I like Mitch Trubisky and his playmakers. So, David Cutcliffe, uh, my apologies, but I like North Carolina this week. Uh, All right, 646-668. You like that, Phil? Mark it down. 646 646- Six six eight twenty two forty eight. We just mentioned the American a moment ago. Let's swing up to the uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That would be Boston, the hub of New England. And here's Fred on Strong as Steel. Hello, Fred. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for asking. I wanted to call in this morning and uh, get your take on SMU. I mean, they've been a, a big surprise to me this year. They covered at Baylor. Gave TCU a good game. I mean, a good first half at home. Lost by three on the road to Tulsa. Then they beat Houston. And now I find them as a seven-point underdog to a disappointing Eastern Carolina team. What do you think about that? I appreciate it, Fred. And I think a big reason that they're a seven-point dog was last week's performance against Memphis. 51-7, to they lost at home. There was a lot of folks thinking SMU was going to be able to pull that game out at home. They did not. 
Uh, the previous week against Tulane, they were down by two scores in the fourth quarter, ended up making the comeback and winning 35-31. So that's the reason why. Now, I'll tell you what I like about Smoo. Ben Hicks, a QB, uh, at the start of the year, he had a poor touchdown-interception ratio. It's gotten a lot better. Uh, Cortland Sutton's doing a great job of receiver averaging 17.1 yards per catch. And defensively, they're actually holding conference opponents to 22 yards per game below their season average. So I think they're playing above my expectations for him at the start of the year. Now, East Carolina's always been tough at home. And last week, Philip Nelson came in a little banged up. He was struggling. They actually pulled him and brought in Gardner Minshew at the quarterback spot. And Minshew last week, or on the season, two touchdowns, three interceptions. They ended up getting whipped by Tulsa on the road. Nelson and Minshew, I think Nelson should be healthy enough to play in this one. If he is, he'll get the start. Uh, they do play better at home, naturally, than they do on the road. In fact, at home, they're plus 150 yards per game with an average score of 39-22. to 22. On the road, they're losing by 19 points per game and getting outgained. Their defense plays about 101 yards better. So I think East Carolina deserves to be the seven-point favorite in this game. That's exactly where I had it, East Carolina 7. And I do see some seven-and-a-halves out there for you, for you, Fred. So if you do like SMU, make sure you get that extra half point. Appreciate the call. The analysis, uh, the evaluation, you don't get it anywhere like this. Phil Steele letting you know how it might swing from day to day. 646-668-2248. We're in the uh, the fourth quarter here at Strong as Steel, and we're going to keep rolling as uh, we move on. Phil, uh, Oklahoma State uh, squad that still thinks, listen, they we've got a shot, Mike Gundy's squad is saying. They welcome in Texas Tech this week. Oklahoma State ranked number 17. Uh, Cowboys have been a little bit up and down this year. How do you see them faring at home against Tech? Yeah, they definitely have a shot to win the Big 12 this year. Uh, in fact, uh, control their own destiny. They only have one conference loss, and if they win out beating Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma, they'll be the Big 12 champs at the end of the year. And they'll say, hey, one of our losses was a Central Michigan, a game that that last play mm-hmm. shouldn't have counted. So I, I think they're a team that's uh, gaining confidence by the week with Mason Rudolph. They're, they've started to establish a running game a little bit, uh, something that they had struggled with earlier in their defense. Uh, playing a little bit better as of late. Early in the year, they were getting steamrolled, but they're playing a little bit better, still allowing opponents 31 yards above their season average. Now, Texas Tech, you think of them and you think extremely poor defense. It has been this year, but they're only minus 73 yards per game, giving their opponents 73 yards above their season average, so comparatively not too far behind. And Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback, has not really been 100%, and that's hurt him. If he should get healthier for this one, and if he is, I think they can hang with this one. I think it's actually going to be a competitive game, much like last year's was for three quarters. I'm going to call for Oklahoma State to win the game, but only by a touchdown. And I think in Vegas right now, they're closer to a two-touchdown favorite in that one. So I like Tech plus the points. Okay, there's Phil with uh, Texas Tech. All right, let's uh, swing back to the SEC. Phil, everybody, Kevin Sumlin, Texas A&M, hosting Ole Miss this week. We just we mentioned Chad Kelly. You can uh, continue to enlighten us about that. Many people are saying, so Kevin Sumlin, you got caught up in the curse of the college football playoff rankings. You're ranked number four, and immediately you go and take the L. Phil, Texas A&M, where are they right now here in the second week of November? Uh, that loss knocked them out of the playoffs. And a lot of times when your dreams die, and what happens, and you touched on it, when you're in the playoff rankings, 
you know, the players on the team are going to say, well, what if this and what if that and what if this? And they're looking at yeah. possibilities and scenarios. And that's why we get that 5-16 and 16 record that I threw out last week, or excuse me, 6-14 and 14 record that I threw out last week for teams in the top five of the playoffs. And we saw that have an effect on A&M. Now, they just lost Trevor Knight for the season. Trevor Knight's a big part of that offense. He's their number two rusher. He's been their quarterback that's got the job done. He's the straw that stirs the drink. Jake Hubenek, we saw what he can do in the bowl game. Didn't do a great game there and did lead the comeback against Mississippi State. But if Jake Hubenek was your starting QB, I don't think Texas A&M right now would be 7-2 and two or 8-2 and two as they, or 7-2 and two as they are right now. And Ole Miss, they lose Chad Kelly for the year. So now they're down to Jason Pellerin, and there's talk about if Pellerin gets injured, do you keep the redshirt on your talented True Frosch and bring a wide receiver and a quarterback? There's a legitimate threat there. But, you know, Pellerin's not chopped liver. He's a guy that's, I think he's about 6'3", 222. He's got the size. He's got the arm. Didn't have a great game last week uh, against Georgia Southern and uh, hasn't been great statistically this year. But he's got some weapons around him. I think it's going to be a competitive game. And my original analysis out of the box was with Trevor Knight. A&M probably wins by 10 to 14. But now that there's no Trevor Knight either, I'm going to go back to my original take on the game, which is A&M to win this thing by less than a touchdown. So I like the Rebels to make a game of it. should be a competitive one. Strongest steel, we roll for you. 646-668-2248. Phil, everywhere I've been this week, whether well, it's been uh, the gym, the grocery store, people have talked about the State and Troy, the right? Belt, Belt. There, you know where I was going, partner. Upstate <laughs> and Troy. Now, these are, Phil, we've been telling everybody all year long, these are two very talented football rosters. They're going to get their collision course chance to bang heads this week. Troy's got the home field advantage. Where's this going? Yeah, even the grocery store, huh, Michael? Yeah, grocery store, gas station, and gym. All three of them. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great game. You know, the job that Neil Brown is doing at Troy is just remarkable. It's a team. Yep. They have one loss this year. And who's that loss to? It was to Clemson, and it was in Death Valley right. by six points. That's a heck of a loss. Yep. This team should be competing for the playoffs, right? Brandon Silvers is a guy who, when I talked to Coach Brown in the off season. Very high in Brandon Silvers, one of the better quarterbacks. They've got Jordan Chun at running back, uh, dangerous receiving core, and their defense uh, hasn't been overwhelming this year. They're giving their opponents in conference play 23 yards above their season average, but they have had some big leads, and they've given up some late scores. Now, App State is a team that their defense just shuts you down. They don't give up uh, points. They don't give up touchdowns in conference play, and they've been shutting everybody down. The few touchdowns they've given up, a lot of them have been either garbage variety or defense. So this is a very tough App State defense, one holding their conference opponents to 123 yards below their season average. Taylor Lamb's been their starting quarterback for about eight years now, and uh, he does a great job of leading their offense. Marcus Cox is back and healthy to team along with Jalen Moore, so they're a loaded team. I find it tough to go against either team, but since Troy is home for this one, and I think these two teams are fairly equal, I'm going to go with the home team since Vegas has a game at pick mm. I'm going to pick somebody. I'm going to pick Troy. And uh, <laughs> now you can talk to everybody at the that everybody's talking to yeah. you about this game. Yeah, what a way to be decisive. I like that in a pickup. Scott Satterfield's done a fabulous job at App State. Phil mentioned uh, Neil Brown and, of course, Georgia Southern Tyson Summers. Uh, some terrific young coaches in the Sun Belt. So Phil likes uh, Phil likes App State, huh, in that Troy. one? Troy. No, you said, I'm sorry. You said you like Troy in that. But yeah, I'm marking them down as you going as you with go the home team, right Troy. 
Home team Troy. All right, so let's make sure we got that uh, on the money. Let's keep rolling here as uh, we move along. Uh, Phil, what about uh, what about LSU going to Arkansas? Hey, listen, everybody gave Ed Orgeron's squad all kinds of kudos and attaboys last week for their performance. Fourth quarter, had a chance to win it. Finally gave up the, the big Jalen Hurts run that broke their back. They're going to Arkansas this week. What does LSU still have to play for, Phil? Well, they, I think they, they could play for Ed Orgeron's job. He still has a chance of getting it if they were to win out and have a, a big rest of the season, get to a nice bowl game. I think they'd be an attractive team. And I think Orgeron will have them playing for it. Uh, with Arkansas, you know, they've dominated this rivalry. LSU's been favored almost every year. Arkansas always takes it right to the wire, if not wins the game straight up. So this is a game Arkansas has dominated. Arkansas is coming off that big win against Florida last week. Florida was coming in, thinking they're going to get to the SEC title game. They still control their own destiny if Florida wins out there. there. But Arkansas pretty much controlled that thing. They had a 466, 241-yard edge, which was amazing. Because the previous week, they had been absolutely throttled by Auburn, 56-3, to mm. giving up 543 yards rushing while only rushing for 25. So a complete transformation. That's what happens when you give Brett Bielema an extra week to prepare and put him in off a 56-3 to loss. Now, I think the situation with them being at home aids Arkansas, but I still think the talent level resides on the LSU side. And I think against that rush defense, which Arkansas has given up 267 yards per game and 7.7 yards per carry in SEC play, I think Fournette gets the shackles off that he had on last week. He and Geis have some big weeks. Mm. They're able to run the ball. That opens it up for the pass game. And even off Alabama, I like LSU to win this one by over the seven points they're laying in Vegas. Phil mentioned last week, too, Leonard Fournette might have missed a couple of reads that could have busted something big for him, Phil, against Alabama. He missed them, and once again, the Bama defense says scoreboard, and they shackle Leonard Fournette. Amazing how things work against some opponents, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I got us at 22 All right, games so far, Michael. What do you got us at? Yep. Uh, exactly. Right, so for the listeners... So for the listeners, we're going to go a little OT here because we want to get to 30 games. Yep. So, Michael, let's hit it. Let's go. South Carolina and Florida. Uh, Phil, what, what, the, what is going on in the SEC East? Can you tell and figure this out? <laughs> Who's going to play in the SEC championship game? From the right, now, I think, right now, I think it's going to be Tennessee because if Tennessee wins okay. the last two games, which will be favored, and Florida's going to be an underdog at LSU, Tennessee's in the SEC title game. Now, this week, Jack or Luke Del Rio are going to be out for Florida, which hurts them. South Carolina played real good defense last week. Uh, came away impressed with what they've been doing the last two weeks, actually. In fact, the whole season under Muschamp, holding their opponents to 42 yards below their season average. Of course, Florida's got one of the best defenses in the country. They're holding opponents on the season 132 yards below their season average, number five in the country. I find it tough to picture South Carolina moving the ball on this Florida defense, but I also find it tough to see Florida moving the ball very much on the South Carolina defense. So, you know, when you look okay. at this game, your your best play may be the, the under if the number's not too low. And it, it right now is 37.5, so it's a pretty low number for a college football game. But that would be my first inkling on the game. And the second one is, you know, Florida may have a big game on deck against LSU. But with that defense, I think they still, even without their quarterback, get the win on the road by more than the 11.5 that Vegas has on this. So I'm going to call for Florida to win this one by a couple of touchdowns. And actually, it was 23. We're on 24 now we just finished. 
Very schizophrenic football team, though, Florida. Phil, let's go to the Big 12, all right? Everybody wants to know. West Virginia, Dana Holgerson squad, going down to, to see Charlie Strong in Texas this week. How do you see West Virginia and Texas playing out? West Virginia, uh, you know, you look at their last home game against Oklahoma State, that's a game they were done in by turnovers. They've, other than that, have played extremely well defensively this year. They're holding uh, Big 12 opponents 126 yards below their season average. Uh, they've got a better run game than you would expect, average of 5.4 yards per carry in Big 12 play. And Skyler Howard, generally an up-and-down quarterback, has generally been on this season. So there's a lot to like about West Virginia, but there's also a lot to like about Texas. And you look at some of their losses this year, like the Kansas State game on the road, the Oklahoma game where they lost by 3-5. and five. They've been highly competitive. Donta Foreman has been a beast at the running back mm-hmm. spot. In fact, in the last three weeks, he's rushed for 124, 250, and 341. And then when you plug in Bouchelle and Swoops, the two-headed quarterback, where one is your 18-wheeler package, the other is solid QB, defensively they're not there. But they are holding Big 12 opponents 14 yards above their season average, which isn't too bad. And it all up, I think Texas could potentially pull the upset here. Texas in the upset, okay. Bob Stoops and his Oklahoma Sooners, uh, they, they, you know, Iowa State got that done. Baylor, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State still to go. It's Baylor this week coming off that drubbing. Is Oklahoma going to be standing as Big 12 champs, and how do they handle Baylor's invasion this week, Phil? Well, this will be the seventh straight week, I say it, Michael. I think Oklahoma will be 10-2 <laughs> at the end yeah. of the year in Big 12 champs. Say it every week here on the podcast. Right. and. uh Every week we're doing it, and you know, here's the big news. Last week, P. Ryan was injured, their running back, and Joe Mixon was suspended. Yep. Well, Mixon's off suspension, and P. Ryan's back from injury. I like that. And now you've got Oklahoma at home. Baylor's giving them some problems, and I'm going to go back to the 2014 team. The last time they played Baylor at home, Oklahoma jumped out to the lead in that game. It's 14 nothing. They're going to roll, right? Baylor just yep. rolled them. It was 48-14. to 14. I watched the second half, Michael. I thought Oklahoma quit in the second half. So if I'm an Oklahoma coach, okay. I show that film all week long and say that's how you played against Baylor the last time you were here. And with Baylor, they don't have that hard-driving head coach anymore, Art Bryles, who's trying to go for the throat. They have Jim Grobe, who's there for one year. He's let it be known I'm only there mm-hmm. for one year. And now that they've got those losses and they don't have the playoff thing, I don't know if we're going to see Baylor play all that great down the stretch. And their defense the last two games has given up uh, 1,236 yards total. I like Oklahoma to win this win at home probably by about three touchdowns. I don't want to be in those defensive meeting rooms for the Baylor Bears. 1,200-plus yards. Oklahoma to roll there. Phil, you got two more. What do you think? You got time? Two more. Can we do it? Okay. Let's hit it. Okay. All right, everybody, Army and Notre Dame in San Antonio this week. Uh, Black Knights of the Hudson, boy, they want to be bowl eligible. So does Notre Dame. I, listen, I don't know. Are they going to get some dispensation to be bowl eligible? How do you see this one playing out? You know, Army's always a team that plays great in Texas because they have so many recruits from the state of Texas. If you go back and look at their games in Texas, uh, they've got a phenomenal record. And they're going to have quite a following here in Texas, a lot of military right. bases around there. So uh, I think that the crowd edge might just be an Army's factor. It's an Army team that's playing great defense this year. They're giving up 286 yards per game. Oh, no. uh, so while Notre yeah. Dame is only outgaining their opponents by 23 yards per game, Army by 124. I can make a great case for Army, but I'm going to side with Notre Dame in this one. I know Notre Dame let me down last mm-hmm. week. I thought they would beat Navy, but uh, I think their yeah. offense has the players that will be able to dent that defense. And defensively, 
you know, Notre Dame just faced the option last week, and they get to face the option the second straight week. So as good a case as I can make for Army, I'm going to call for Notre Dame to win this one by more than the 13-and-a-half. Brian Kelly, going to be an interesting final month. Phil, we're going to wrap it up with a squad that uh, I think has played excellent football this year in the Pac-12. Nobody's talked about them a lot. They moved up in the college football playoff rankings. How about the Colorado Buffaloes coming off the win over UCLA? Uh, going down to see Rich Rod. Has anybody had a more? Mark D'Antonio and Rich Rodriguez, Big Ten rivals uh, for four years when Rich Rod was at Michigan. Has anybody been more just under the radar bad than Arizona this year? Should Colorado roll them in Tucson? Yeah, and, you know, to give Rich Rod a little bit of a break, he has suffered some key injuries this year. He lost his top quarterback, lost his top running back, numerous players on defense, but. You're right. They're just almost in the non-competitive uh, race uh, lately. Uh, last week, Washington State's team rolled them 69-7, to and probably could have been a lot worse than that. So uh, they're a team that's struggling on defense. So you look at giving up 5.6 yards per carry and uh, 64% league play. Colorado is one of the best defenses in the Pac-12 given up just 324 yards in conference play, so massive edge defensively to Colorado. Offensively, I'm going to take what Colorado's giving me here. Lee Falmontez, a QB, Lindsey, a quarterback. They've got Fields, Ross, Bobo, a receiver in Pac-12 play, averaging 462 yards per game. Uh, and so this is a complete Colorado team. And my average game grade power ratings, if you go to Phil Steele Plus and check out the team pages and you look at how Colorado's playing on the year, they're playing to a 102.6 level. Meanwhile, on the season, Arizona's playing to a 78.9 level. So that puts Colorado about 24 points better on the season. I don't know how much that home field's going to be a factor for Arizona as they come into this one 2-6. and six. And the final factor, Colorado's actually lost the last four to Arizona, so I don't think they're going to look past them at all. If I like Colorado to win this one by 17 or more. Oh, we've been rolling here in the second half, and uh, we want to remind you again a couple of things. Phil's inside the press box, SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. Both been rolling, 866-918-7711. You can call that number and make sure you get on. Phil, do we still have the promo code going for our, our podcast uh, listeners? You'd have to ask our boy Jimmy and see if he's still giving stuff away over there. Jimmy, <laughs> is that still going on? <laughs> That is still going on. If you go on SteelsWeeklyPreview.com, we are giving the $20 discount to the season packages. If you enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E. That's what happens when you let this guy be in charge of some stuff there, Michael. <laughs> he just gives away the store. Yeah. He runs amok and doing a fabulous job, and Phil's going to feel it in the wallet. <laughs> that's, usually, that's usually the way it goes. Hey, partner, fabulous job this week. What do we come in at, 27? Was it 27 we hit we this week? We got to 28 today. 28, there you go. All right, 28. Uh, this is what we do each and every week, and we, we really appreciate all of you. Phil, we ask folks, uh, though our West Coast listeners getting up early with us today. We'll be back at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern again next Wednesday. So make sure you check out uh, philsteel.com. You can get inside the press box, steelsweeklypreview.com. And Phil as well. Again, we want to remind everybody, if you're listening to us and you get the strongest steel on iTunes, when you get in there, there's a, a review comment section. Leave a comment for us. Let us know what you like. If there are things you'd like us to do a little bit differently, you know, Phil and I are, are very easygoing guys, right, Phil? We'll we'll, we'll take all <laughs> suggestions and critiques, right? 
<laughs> you yeah, got to go to work, my man. Get to it. Get to it. <laughs> All right. You and have a great, great job this week, Bill. Yeah, a lot of fun as always. Thanks, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jimmy. All right, Phil Steele, hard at work. Uh, Jim Nabosna, great stuff out of you. We appreciate everything in the, uh, the Twitter universe. Uh, Phil is uh, jumping off to uh, enlighten everybody all over the country about what's going on this week. We'll see you again next week. So for Phil Steele and our producer, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regg. I hope you enjoy Strong as Steel, everybody. Have yourself a fabulous college football weekend, and we'll see you back here next week, Wednesday, on Strong as Steel. Till then, so long, everybody.